From Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Lehigh Athletics presents Mountain Hawk Talk, the podcast for the Lehigh Mountain Hawks, presented by Lehigh Valley Health Network and Coordinated Health. Here's your host, Josh Liddick. Hey, what's going on, Lehigh fans? Welcome into episode three of the Mountain Hawk Talk podcast, the official podcast of Lehigh Athletics. Today is a very special episode honoring the life and career of former Lehigh head wrestling coach and administrator Greg Strobel, who passed away on October 8th at the age of 68. As Lehigh's head coach from 1995 to 2008, Strobel amassed 189 dual victories and won six total EIWA team titles. Under Strobel's leadership, 28 Lehigh wrestlers won individual EIWA championships, 30 were named All-Americans, and two were national champions. He was inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2012. Joining me today is Lehigh Wrestling Head Coach Pat Santoro and Chris Ayers, Class of 1999, who currently serves as the head coach at Princeton University. Ayers wrestled at Lehigh while Santoro was an assistant, and the two coached together under Strobel from 2001 to 2003. Without further ado, here's my interview with Pat Santoro and Chris Ayers. So I'm joined today by Pat Santoro and Chris Ayers. Um, guys, welcome to the show. Even under these circumstances, I'm glad to have both of you guys on and uh, to talk about the life and career of uh, Greg Strobel. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. You know, it's it's been a heck of a last couple of weeks, and um, you know, we're we're happy to be on here to to talk about him and to honor his life. Um, just think back to the to the very first time you met Greg, and um, what was that encounter like? And what do you guys remember most about that time uh, in your life? Uh, we'll just start with we'll start with uh, Pat first, and we'll go over to Chris. Yeah, geez, I probably first met him i didn't know him well then but i would go down to Foxcatcher to train i wrestled the new york athletic club but i'd go down and train with trevor lewis and sometimes i train with dave schultz and greg would be there and um so i knew him in that capacity he's pretty knowledgeable in wrestling i remember that and i also remember him most of the time when i saw him he was in the opposite corner coaching against me because <laughs> i think at my weight class we had like half the guys in the top eight were from Foxcatcher. so uh, but so he knew me very well as far as an athlete at that point yeah, so uh, it's hard to think back. I think it was a team meeting after he was hired. So I had been at Lehigh for a year, um, and I was with Pat and I. Pat coached me that first year, and Bob Latesta was the coach. And, and the team had a great year, and uh, we really loved Coach Latessa. Um, so it was, a, it was an interesting, with Coach Strobel coming in, um, you know, we just didn't know what to expect at all uh, with him. And so – I don't remember exactly what he said, uh, but I knew I knew about him, and I knew about his his history in wrestling, uh, because his his daughter Jennifer was actually in my class at Lehigh, so it's kind of funny. She was I think she was in my dorm too. She was either in Lower Sense or in my dorm, um, so we we had met really early, Jennifer and I, of my freshman year, and she says, "Oh, I'm into wrestling too." My my dad's Greg Strobel. And so we kind of hit it off and I knew him through her and we had no idea that he was going to be the coach the next year. So it was just an interesting thing. So I had a, I, had a, I knew who he was. I knew he was out there. I knew he was big time. Um, and, and the first meeting I think was probably the team meeting. I don't remember exactly how that went down though. 
but I think that was when I first met him. And um, Chris, uh, you you ran the gamut with Greg uh, from the very beginning of his tenure at Lehigh. Like you like you said, your uh, your second year, he became the head coach. Um, you, know, you were a student athlete. You were an assistant coach, and you were a top assistant for him during the span of uh, five straight EIWA titles in the two and the two thousands. Um, what was it like to coach alongside him? And you know, what's the biggest lesson that you learned from him as a student athlete and then as a coach? Uh, he, he was so important for me. Um, that time at Lehigh, too, was, was really special. I think Pat and I both had a really hard time leaving what we were doing uh, when Pat went to Maryland and then I moved to his position, then me going to Princeton. It was just the environment was so special. And what I, would, I, what I think Greg brought to me as an athlete is I was so serious. And I, you know, and wrestling was so important to me. And, you know, I literally it felt like life or death when I was wrestling because I'd put so much into it. And, and most wrestling coaches, <laughs> they're sort of these, uh, you know, you got to go harder, you got to be tough and, you know, you got to try to kill the other guy. And that was my mentality. I, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever smiled in a wrestling room <laughs> until, I, until I got to Lehigh. But, you know, with Greg, it was so funny. He, he like, he took the pressure off for me big time. And he, and, and I'll never forget. I think probably one of the first meetings, Pat will talk about this as well. Just, he said, wrestling's fun. You got to have fun with wrestling. And he had this, he had this ability. He was a little sadistic too. I'll add that. Um, <laughs> he did stuff to hurt him and he thought that was hurt himself. And he thought it was fun in terms of like working out <laughs> and stuff. So, so he looked at everything as fun, but what the, the primary lesson I got from him was just all about attitude. You get to choose it. You get to wake up in the morning, no matter what, what's thrown at you, um, you get to choose your attitude. And, and he always kept a positive attitude. For me, it was refreshing. I needed that because I, if I lost, literally, I, I, I would, it would take a week for me to stop beating myself up. So uh, I joke with my guys. I came up with this sort of like because I went through it. I'll see them on the mat and they're having a tough time. Maybe they're getting beat up a little bit. They start beating themselves up too by the things they're saying to themselves, you know, or after a loss, like, you know, the guy beat him up. I'll say, Hey, don't have two people beating you up here. Like you had the one guy, don't let yourself beat yourself up too. So I would say the main thing from Greg is just have fun with wrestling, have a great attitude. And that really changed the trajectory of my career. He really, his attitude and, and how he framed it for me really changed everything. Awesome. And Pat, uh, you coached alongside Greg, um, you know, early in your career. What are some things and lessons that you learned from Greg that you took into your own coaching career? You know, first off, it was, well, first when there's a coaching change, I'm thinking coach comes in, he brings his own staff. I'm like, I, I better look for a new job. <laughs> and then he came in, he was like, oh, I'd like you to stay. I'm like, okay, great. So uh, the first thing I, I remember Chris remember that first meeting, it was about, hey, this isn't the weightlifting team. This isn't the running team. It's the wrestling team. Let's have fun wrestling. And I love to wrestle. I was, I mean, I, I competed till I was probably way too long, but I loved to compete. I loved wrestling. I thought it was a, I, thought it was a, I always thought of wrestling as a game and Greg had that, that attitude. And, and uh, he was just so, I think he, I think he smiled every day when he walked in a room. I mean, it was his love for life. His love for wrestling was, was pretty amazing. Um, but I just remember, I, I'll tell you one of my first, experiences with him we went out to Oregon State <laughs> a couple good stories on that one but I'll talk about this one <laughs> and uh we're, we're wrestling a dual meet and things are not going I mean how about it Chris about everything oh. went wrong that match right I think oh. you know, 
last second we're going to throw our back. One guy gets hurt. And we just like, I look at Greg and we're like, I think we're at the 190 pound match. I'm like, we're getting killed. It was like 38 nothing. And he just looks at me and goes, well, could be worse. I'm like, how? He goes, could be 48 nothing. I'm like, yeah. okay. And that was the way he approached things. And then I, I remember another a moment, Chris probably remembers this one. We were wrestling Michigan. We had the Fab Four. And we were pretty excited about our, it was, you know, letters and sink and frick and Cooperman. And we thought these guys were really special. And they were. But uh, we had this match against Michigan. We're feeling pretty good about our freshmen. And we just had this terrible outing. Like, we just got, got killed. And uh, with Greg had the foresight, like, we were all disappointed. Like, man, what a tough match. And he's like, the next day, he's like, I watched the video. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And we we're like, what? But <laughs> he's, he had enough fortitude coaching long enough to know, like, hey, these guys are freshmen. They're going to be all right. And sure enough, you know, by the end of the year, those guys were rocking it and beating all Americans and placing at the tournament themselves. So he just had that attitude. He made me rethink coaching. I was like, Chris, like, everything had to be serious. Everything had to be a grind. But he did like it tough, but he also believed in days off and keeping things fun. Hey, to piggyback off Pat on that Oregon State thing. So, <laughs> so this, uh, this, like, this is our first beating we took. And we don't know Greg hardly at all. He's been coaching us for a few months, basically. Yeah. I remember we, he, it was his, that's where he went to school. So it's like he went back to his own school with his new college team and they kicked the crap out of his <laughs> new team. Uh, and so, uh, so he was out like in the lobby or something, meeting with alums and stuff. And we as a team were in the locker room and we're kind of looking around at each other like, like, oh man, this guy's going to really lay into us. And he said the same thing he said to Pat. He comes in, I think he was smiling. He goes, hey, you know, it could have been worse. <laughs> could have lost 40. I think it was 40. He could have lost 48 to nothing. And so, and then he left and it was like, wait, wait that was it. that's it? So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was, that was memorable for me too. We, we, that was not a good match, Pat. <laughs> Obviously it's like so hard to like be positive after a loss like that. Um, and you both were, you're both coaches at, you know, division one programs. Is that something that, is that a mentality that kind of carried over to you guys? Or uh, is it hard to kind of... It's hard. He just had this outlook that it's kind of unmatched. Because I remember, like Chris said, like, leaving here and going to Maryland was a really tough decision. So, and my first couple years there were were, um, were miserable, right? Like, we we had a tough time winning a match. And I remember I'd call Chris, and I was like, man, he's like, just stick with it. Remember, you know, Coach, you know, Greg was always so positive, but... You know, I'd call back to, to talk to Greg or Chris about, man, the struggles we're having. But he always had a positive outlook on, hey, you got to think long term. You got to think the big picture. It's not about right now. Even though you get to be present in what you're doing, it's not always about right now. It's about the big plan. Yeah, same here. I think <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, Pat. I never really thought about that too much. Just you going there and having the trouble you did. And, and then I went to Princeton and you know, we didn't win a match. I think you were in a similar situation at Maryland yeah. with. And what you had to like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be coaching here now if I didn't have Greg as my coach, just because he was really good. Like, like Pat had mentioned about the Michigan, he rewatched it and he said, ah, we did pretty good. It, it was going to the good, I call it going to the good model. He, yeah, when we were down at Princeton and, and things were not, I still do this and things are, it's easy to go to the negative things that happened said, here's everything we did wrong. Mm-hmm. Here, here's all the things we had to fix and we had to fix a lot of stuff so so uh so what was good was i'd always try to go to that good thing and or find something good in the match a takedown you know or a, you know a guy 
he won a match against a guy maybe he was not supposed to beat and and just you try to pick out the positive for me personally just living my life through that period I mean obviously my you know as I said earlier it went like wrestling was early on was life or death for me um if I had that mentality through those early years it you know I wouldn't have made it basically um but you, you pick your attitude and I tried to smile a lot like he did. And, and, and that's really what, what got me through why I'm still here today. I absolutely, if I had that same attitude before I met Greg, like I would have lasted not very long here. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I would have made it past year probably two. Um, that was probably my most challenging year was actually year two. Um, if not, if I hadn't learned the lessons I'd learned from, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but it was his other, the attitude thing was a great gift. The other thing was, and I think his greatest gift, which will carry on through Pat and, and myself and everyone that I, he used wrestling as a vehicle to teach life lessons. I mean, that, that was, mm-hmm. that was what it was. So for me, there was the wrestling piece at Princeton, but I also was trying to use that platform to instill uh, good good character traits and young men who who are at a prime time in their life uh, to be influenced for me and personally and, and Pat probably say the same is you know those years at Lehigh were the most transformative of my life you know I became a man uh, at during that time I went from a boy and then I, I kind of mm-hmm. grew up and so I know this time period is really important and, and that now today it's much harder too uh, just with all the things that get thrown on these young athletes. So you have to be more of that, trying to keep them, keep perspective, I guess you can say, and use the wrestling to really instill good, good traits in your athlete. Awesome. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And looking at the wrestling program at Lehigh and where it was before Greg took it over, um, you know, what was it like to watch him, you know, personally, what, for you, what was it like to watch him, you know, change the culture of the program and bring it back to national prominence? Yeah, I just think he, you know, he had a really good vision. He always thought big picture because the year before was actually a pretty good year. And Chris's redshirt freshman year. Before that, it wasn't so great, but it, it was still a culture of, um, I don't know how, if everybody was bought in and serious about wrestling. I mean, so there's a lot of things to do in college, and Greg always taught you can do three things, but you only do two well. You can have a social life, wrestling life, academic life. And it was just, and it's one of those things you never change a culture overnight, but you could see every year that that group, was, especially that freshman Chris's class, is the one that was really the changing of the guard, it kind of attitude. You could see in it, and each year, you know, that sophomore, the junior, that team just got better and better because they adopted the principles of the class before them. And so, you really changed that attitude and it, it, it was, it took a few years, but it, it was obviously an immediate impact as far as wrestling is fun. Um, but I think he, he did a really, he always had a good job because, and his big picture wasn't, the vision wasn't, oh, when in a few years we're going to be, a, uh, we're going to have a team trophy. It was more like, we're going to change these guys' lives. We get four or five years with them, you know, where are they going to be in 20 years? Because most of them aren't going to be in wrestling. And I, and I think that was that that made me think about that. Wow, I got to think of these guys as 35, 45, 55 men, and they're going to have families someday. Mm-hmm. What are the life lessons we have to teach them through this process, through this vehicle called wrestling? I didn't know, I didn't know any better. You know, I, back then it was harder to follow college wrestling. And I had gone to all the Lehigh camps. And so for me, I, 
I had I had run in that room since I was probably in eighth grade, and that that room had all the national champs on the walls and the All Americans, and so for me there was a huge tradition there that I first I thought like we could win the NCAs coming in as a freshman, uh, and I think that really what impacted me was was in relation to Greg was his experience. What what helped me the most that you know what actually. When did he, I'm trying to think of what he, so he would, it was kind of neat. So he would have us go to the world team training camps because mm-hmm. he was the world team camp coach a lot. And we would be the only college wrestlers there. I remember Jason Cooks and myself, his first year, I think it might've been the summer coming in, actually. I think we met in the spring. Don't, don't remember exactly, but he got us to train with the world team for, it was like a month. And that access to those athletes and just to be in that room with those people, for me, I had put them on too much of a pedestal. I actually realized that they, that I do the things that they're doing. Yeah. Um, so it, they're not doing anything special. And so I'm working as hard. I'm working harder than some of them. So he, him providing that experience for me, I think, transformed my mindset. And that happened for a lot of guys. We, we would keep going to these world camps. Unfortunately, other – other coaches copied him <laughs> after, after a period of time. And soon, soon enough, soon enough, there was too many college guys and they had two practices. So then we actually stopped going because it wasn't worth it anymore. But I think for me, that's what transformed our attitudes. And it started with kind of the younger crew, uh, you know, me and, and the younger guys were starting to go to these world camps. And so, um, and then that just carried over because you'd see him coaching the world team and then you get back to Lehigh in Bethlehem and who's running your practice, the same guy that was running the practice at, at the world or Olympic team. So you thought to yourself, well, this is the best. Uh, I just need to listen to this guy. And so there was quick buy-in, not from everyone, I wouldn't say. And I, and I saw this with my experience at Princeton. I know Pat's probably saw this too. It comes in chunks. Uh, you know, you know, when you first get there, two guys believe in you <laughs> the next year maybe four guys believe in you what you're doing and then mm-hmm. it just builds until everybody's most everybody's on board so I think that's what happened at Lehigh too but he had his his credentials and what he was doing outside of Lehigh with the world team really opened up my eyes to what what we could do Pat looking at Lehigh wrestling in 2020 and and beyond um you know, what's the impact that Greg has had on the program? Um, and what are some ways that you see that uh, now and heading into the future? Um, I think just, I think he just got the name out there. I think he's really good at promoting Lehigh wrestling. Um, something I'm terrible at. That's why I always need your help. Because when we do <laughs> social media, I have zero social media skills. But Greg, yeah, he, he was on Instagram this summer posting stuff, right? Like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he's just, he's really, he's always up to date on things he he got the alumni involved he uh he really was the guy that started getting the alumni back involved guys it's like hey these guys are really bright kids you should look at hiring them maybe and started bringing having functions with the alumni coming back and we've carried that since i've been back we, we come back and we're always bringing alumni back to talk with our wrestlers i know chris probably does the same thing at print pretty i know he does in the matches at the new york ac turn you know um so those are important things is is having your alumni you know, spend time with your wrestlers because that's where relationships are built. And Greg was a relational guy. And I think that that stands out to me is like, I just remember my time to Lehigh. It was pretty special. Just, you know, Chris and I, I always used to joke 
when we came in, we were freshmen together, right? <laughs> He'd ask me, he goes, hey, where's McGinnis? Like, I don't know. I'm a freshman. You know, like, <laughs> I, I knew about as much as he did. But, um, yeah, I think what he brought was just the, the importance of the fans. Like, he believed in wrestlers should take care of wrestling. And if every wrestler went to just watch wrestling matches, every gym in the country would be full. And I, and I, I believe that. So anytime you go to a wrestling match, I try to do that. I think, and that's what he, he taught me is how important it is to support wrestling, even on the smallest scale. Before we move on with our next segment on the show, let me just remind you that Mountain Hawk Talk is presented by Lehigh Valley Health Network and Coordinated Health, your unrivaled partners for sports medicine and injury care. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lehigh MH Talk, and you can subscribe and download each episode from lehighsports.com slash podcasts or from your favorite platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Now let's just get into the fun part of this, uh, of this show. We're talking about stories and, um, you know, specific times that you remember with Greg and, and things that you look back on and, you know, you laugh now and, um, you know, what are some memorable moments that you had with him? I'll just give you an analogy. So, uh, <laughs> he used to eat apples a lot. And so like, so this is like just him, right? So got this apple, literally he'd eat the whole thing. Like not like down to the core. He ate the core and he just have the stem. That's what he'd have a left. Like, you know, you get into the core and the, it's sour and it doesn't even taste good. But that was like him with life. He was going to get everything he could out of that out of that apple. <laughs> like there would be nothing left. And then he would like hold up the stem and be like, hey, this is kind of neat. So I every time he ate an apple, I was like, what? what's wrong with this guy? Like there's levels of like commitment to uh, getting the most out of something. And he was, he was it. So I just, oh, he seemed like he was always eating an apple and he just eat the whole damn thing. And I always was, I was like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would, yeah. I remember one time we had this huge snowstorm. I mean, I lived like in this back road, so it didn't get plowed. I couldn't get out. I was like, I can't get out. He's like, I'll be right over. He had a Jeep. So he picked me up. It took us like a 45 minutes to get to work. Cause we weren't going right to work. We were doing donuts and <laughs> flying around town because we're the only ones on the road. But that's why he lived life. He just embraced every moment of it. But uh, back to that Oregon State trip, remember that none of us were ever in Oregon. We get there and Greg is so excited to be back. We have two vans. He just starts going and turning left, right. We're in this, I'm in the back van, of course, driving. I'm like, I have no idea where he is. I have no idea what I'm doing, where I'm going. And he always had that, yep, figure it out. <laughs> there. And we'd pull up like a half hour later. Hey, thanks for leaving us. Hey, you figured it out, though. So. <laughs> hey, were you on the Iowa trip, Pat? Did, refresh did you my wrestle memory. Iowa with us? At, I did. At, I don't when know. They, when they said they remember it was close and they all said they had the flu or whatever was in the paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, they, then, they, then they smoked. Yeah, he lost, me, he lost me on that trip. I was pissed, man. Yes. I don't know. We, wow. I was in his we, uh, on that trip. So you, you had the same experience that I had in Oregon State. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what happened? So from then on, I like figured out where I had to go. Yes. Like I was like, I am not counting on following him anymore. Uh, and I, so his method worked uh, in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of like making me make sure that I know where I'm going instead of counting on him. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Yeah, and not he to make you guys, he, not to make you guys yeah. feel old or anything, but that was before the era of you know GPS on your phones yeah. and stuff oh, yeah, like no, that. No, no, <laughs> so, oh, no, you, you actually yeah, had to read yeah. signs and figure things. Maps, out. yeah. 
And if you have a mouth, you're never lost, right? Just pull over and. <laughs> hey, we're not that old. There was MapQuest, all right? You could all right, go on right, there. All right, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, by, we didn't have any phones to get on, right? We did have computers, Josh, okay? <laughs> Does it make you feel old that I was born in 1995? So uh, yeah. really old. Yeah. 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 Um, I was told about a, a, a moment um, that Greg did on every first bus trip uh, was <laughs> yeah. to watch The Princess Bride, which is right. a classic. You know, Matter of fact, twice yeah. a year we watch with our family. To this day, it's probably my son and daughter's favorite movie. So, yep. Yeah, we, we do the same. Yeah. Uh, we, That's we, awesome. We yeah. probably watch it with our family, probably. It's one know. of my favorites. Yeah. Probably what, 10 what, times or something. What was it like just like every every trip knowing that every first trip that you knew knowing that you you were going to have to watch that movie and you know the freshman had to watch that movie. Such a great but movie. I don't think we cared. It was a lot of a lot of this with Greg to be honest with you. It was a lot of like oh here we go again with this thing we got to do. But then you're, you get into it and you're like loving it, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, here we go. Princess Bride again. Greg's doing his thing. And, you know, every, but, it, but at the end of the day, everyone loved it. Um, yeah. And it's funny. I mean, like, like that gets to sort of the, he was really good at creating family among the group too. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, a lot of those same lines of like traditions, we always had a Christmas party at his house. And I was, you know, you're in college and, and you're training and you got to cut weight and you just kind of want to not do much, you know, and it's like, ah, we got to go to this Christmas party. But then again, you get there and his wife, Donna, I'm sure we'll get into talking about Donna. um, You know, they just did everything amazing. And it was one of the, you know, it's, you just have such a good time and it would feel like the thing that you missed while you're at college. And they provided that for us, which, um, which was amazing. It was just, it, it was like a second family. And that's the relationship piece Pat was talking about. It just sort of, he was good in all those areas of sort of bringing people together, honestly. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you brought up Donna. What was it like, you know, to, what were some lessons that you learned from him in that aspect of life that have carried over to, to now? And just the importance of family, you know, cause it's easy to get caught up in your own head during the season and you can't bring your work home with you. And that's something I struggled with early on coaching is you have a bad week, a bad day, and you're coming home and finally your wife's like, Hey, it's not your kid's fault that your team's losing. Right. So you had to learn to, you leave it, you leave it in the office, you go home and you, know, you put a different hat on. And that's, you know, one thing about Greg, he loved his family. I uh, loved Donna, loved his daughters. I mean, he was always excited. He always told stories about him and, um, so it just made you realize there's more to life. There's more to life to a wrestler than just wrestling. And I think that that's probably one really important piece that I think a lot of, a lot of coaches in any sport miss. Yeah. As athletes, we learned really quick who was really in charge. Oh yeah. Uh, we knew Mrs. Coach. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I'll, I might've been, I think it was the first EIWA. So I had taken second and I always had this thing. I always liked the wool cap on. When I was warming up and stuff, and I always put it on. I don't know, it's just like a little, little habit thing, you know. And uh, and and so I go up on the award stand, and I'm in my Lehigh warmers, but I got my hat on, and so the picture had been taken. And you know, we're on our bus ride home, and uh, you know, Greg comes over and he sits down next to me, and he says, "Hey, uh, 
it's like can't wear that wool hat anymore on the award stand it's not it's not appropriate and uh and i was like okay okay and then he left the donna she's pretty she she had a very strong personality and so i i think we we started to form a relationship pretty early so we were pretty deep in the season and uh and, and she she kind of comes up to me as we're getting off the bus or something she goes hey did greg talk to you about that hat and i said yeah he yeah, he sure did. She goes, good. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> so, so I don't think Greg, I don't think Greg would have said anything about the hat. And then, uh, and then, you know, next thing you know, you know, you got to get rid of the hat. So a lot of things that happened to her. Yeah. You should tell him about Bernholtz and the, uh, you know, what did he call her? Uh, the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> the one the behind the scenes and put all the strings. Yeah. So yeah her nickname was Mrs. Coach. This yeah. is coach. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Pat, uh, Greg's passions for woodworking and fly fishing are well documented. And, um, you know, he was also a vital part of the department's holiday um, sunshine team auction. Um, you know, he crafted his own Christmas trees out of, uh, out of wood and brush from, from the beach. Um, yeah. And he made his own trivets. Can you speak to that part of uh, yeah, Greg's I, life? I think that was probably our, our best selling items every year at the Christmas parties. Yeah. So yeah, he was pretty amazing. And Donna would make the Reeves. I mean, it was, it was pretty, uh, it's pretty, we're going to miss that for sure. Uh, that was like the last thing they always, they always put up for auction. You remember? Yep. Oh yeah. But his, I just don't remember, Chris, you, were you there when we were knocking down the old garage to build yeah. the new garage? Yeah. So we have it on video of the old garage getting knocked down and he all, all he wanted to do is build a, a three car garage. I could put one section to make it a wood shop. And in that shop, I mean, he, he, he has redone some, like people don't know, he, he's redone some boats and the boat that he was on all the time was a beautiful, it was a 1956, I want to say, like amazing wood boat, but he you know, kind of rebuilt it and he'd fish on it all the time, but he loved the fish, he loved the woodwork, um, but he always, he always made things for people. I think I have a, a wooden letter opener from him. He made me one year. I still have it. And I have a, I think a fish hook remover, <laughs> not that I'm catching mm -hmm. a lot of fish, but yeah, he, he and he loved to teach. You know, if you if I couldn't tell you how many times you'd walk in Taylor Gym. Do you remember that, Chris? He'd be able to this fly rod <laughs> and fishing in a gym or casting. He was teaching people how to cast over the lunch break. It, you know, it was, he loved to teach no matter what it was. I have some things from him too, and and uh, he loved that boat, man. Oh yeah, that was his like. I, when he when he bought the thing, I I remember he showed us a picture of it. This is so. I was at Lehigh when he was refinishing it. I don't know if you were too, Pat. Yeah, I'm not good at like timelines. I don't think it floated when he got it. <laughs> no, no, no chance. So he, he would do this all the time. He'd like, so he's like, hey, check out this boat. So my wife and I, he'd have my wife and I over all the time for dinner, and that's just things that he did. So he takes me back into the shed. He, he's so excited to show me this boat. Um, and and I'm like, I'm excited too. He's telling me all about it. He got it for like not, next to nothing. He might have got it for free. I don't know. So and this this happened more than once. So he takes us in there. My wife and I are are in there. And this thing, it's got holes in it. Like the wood is like just totally rotted in some areas. And and he's talking about it. He's talking about this thing like it's a yacht, right? So so <laughs> Of course, we're like, oh yeah, this is great, Greg. This is this is a really nice boat you got here. So of course, this happened quite a few times. My wife and I get in the car, and again, it's like, what? What is he talking about? That thing was a total piece of crap. Like, he's 
And like in your head, you think like, how is he going to make that cool? And then sure enough, like he would put so much time into it. And then when it was finished, it was, it, it was literally, it's probably the most beautiful boat that I've ever seen. Like that size and the wood that he used. And, you know, I think, and I think about the, you know, you kind of look at it to the program too, and just building things like, he just liked to build things. And, and it was okay that it wasn't great in the beginning, like, but he saw the potential that it could become. And I mean, he took the bleachers of the Whitehall uh, jib. So listen, this is crazy. I, I hate to keep going, but like, keep so going. The White, Whitehall gymnasium, okay? They're taking down these bleachers, which are made of mahogany, I mahogany. think, right? And he, of course, knows the coach there. The coach says, hey, we're taking down these bleachers. He's like, hey, can I come check them out? You know, like, and he's like, for what? Like, he's like, I might want them. <laughs> so, you know, he goes and checks them out. I think I helped load them, actually, too. There's gum on the bottom. It's like they're disgusting. There's stains. And so, for some reason, he looks at these bleachers, and he sees, like, beautiful pieces of wood. I see gum and disgustingness. Anyway, he gets a planer. He makes these beautiful you know, he did so many beautiful, he turned those boards into the most beautiful pieces of mahogany you had ever seen. And then he used them for projects, which he probably auctioned off at the thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, so meanwhile, just know that uh, whatever table you got might have had some, 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 some people sitting on it and some, some gum on it. <laughs> old bleachers, yeah. <laughs> so, so your tables may have an old bleacher in a high school gym, but, but you wouldn't know it's the most beautiful table. So I think that's kind of neat. I just thought of that sort of like, you just like to build things, honestly. In turn, in turn, for myself, I didn't even place in states. He liked to turn things that maybe people couldn't see the potential in and turn them into something that's pretty cool. That's an insane story, Chris. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing. It's uh, <laughs> so funny. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about his positivity, um, you know, his positivity on in the wrestling program and in and, and his work and his career. But he also had this incredible positivity in his life as well um, all the time. Um, can, how, how did that positive outlook on life translate over to you guys? Because, you know, let's face it, we all have our bad times, you know, when we're at home or, you know, with our families or whatever, we have those times when we struggle. Um, but, you know, Greg seemed to have this positive outlook all the time. Yeah. I think the most important, I mean, he lived it. I mean, his, gosh, he had so many things. He, he beat cancer twice. He had a lot going on his last 10 years, but yeah. he always, I mean, he, like I said, it's easy to talk positive and be positive to your team, but you have to live it and, he did it every day. I just, I think of the book of Job, right? Like no matter what went wrong, he didn't care. He never veered from his attitude. And I mean, everybody saw that. I mean, there was no question. He, I don't, you know, I don't think he ever had a bad day. I mean, what was that story talking about earlier, Chris? We we're talking about he fell off a building, right? <laughs> he fell off yeah. a building and said, what a great breeze. All those windows were nice on the way down. <laughs> and he just brushed himself off. And <laughs> Yeah. Even with the cancer thing, I can remember calling him and it's like, yeah, that's about as bad as it gets, right? I mean, I don't know too many other things in your life uh, other than maybe maybe losing people close to you. Um, but man, cancer and being in a fight like that against that cancer, I can remember talking to him and it was like, he viewed it as like a challenge. It was, the, it was like crazy to me. And it was like, he talked about it like, 
and, then, and it would be all positive. He's like, oh, I got this treatment that nobody else has got. It's like the hardest treatment to do, right? And he's not talking about how he feels. He'd send me a picture. He goes, oh, man, I lost a lot of weight. I'm really small. He'd send me a picture, and he weighed like 160 pounds, you know? And he's like, mm-hmm. that part's not good, but I'm gaining weight now, you know? And so he wouldn't choose to talk about anything negative about this totally terrible situation. Um, and he would just pick the positive things. It was... The cancer one was, it's it's sure to it's it sort of to me was like the biggest lesson, you know. He'd always well, been positive, but he, to face that thing and then be so positive was crazy. Yeah, he, you'd walk into his office, he'd be like, oh, here, look at it, shut the door, shut the door. He he pulled down his pants, where he had a big scar on his leg, or you know, this is this way. Put the bag, and he was like, he was like proud of the battle wounds because he beat it, right? And yeah. But like he, he just looked at life like, all right, next challenge. You know, this is what I'm dealt. He didn't, he didn't, he never felt sorry for himself. He just kind of, all right, let's do this. And like I said, he lived it. I mean, we just saw him a couple of weeks, you know, 10 days before he passed. And gosh, we had, I think he had the best summer of his life. Just, you know, doing things with, you know, fishing with old wrestlers, spending time with people who's close. who got out to Oregon with his family. I mean, he, he really lived life the right way. Uh, well, guys, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have both of you on to talk about Greg. And, you know, I wish I wish you both the best uh, as we, uh, you know, head into into the next year. Stay healthy and hopefully we can get some uh, some wrestling going on in, uh, in 2021. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Chris, thanks, thanks for coming Josh. on. Hey, thanks, Pat. That was fun. All right. Yep. Take I really, care. I really, I'm really grateful you guys had me. You've been listening to Mountain Hawk Talk, presented by Lehigh Valley Health Network and Coordinated Health. The Mountain Hawk Talk podcast is a production of Lehigh Sports Communications. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you have show comments, questions, or suggestions for future guests, email us at sports at lehigh.edu. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Talk.